You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well hey there everybody, it's me, Joe Thrashenkill, and you're listening to a thrilling episode of The Toil of Hell Radio Show. I'm joined today by my right-hand man. You know him, you know, you love him. He's the internet's sweetheart. He's the golden boy. He is the 365 Days of Horror, or as we like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I am good, but I have a very important question for you. What's your question? Are you ready for some football? Yes, uh, all my rowdy friends are coming over this afternoon. Uh, how about yours? Are your rowdy friends coming over? All none of them. <laughs> um, I I love uh, th- this part of the season. Uh, this part of the year, I should say, uh, is is generally when I'm in my best spirits. Uh, it's no longer as hot as it has been for the prior six months, and I get something returning in my life that has uh, been desperately missing, which is the regular NFL season. Um, it is a good, it's a good time of year because you have, like you said, the weather's getting slightly cooler. Um, we have football coming back. We have hockey coming back. Baseball playoffs are right around the corner. Halloween is coming up. Pumpkin-flavored everything. Uh, the only bad thing is school. Which seems to trump everything. Yeah, that's uh, well, that does get my ass every time. Um, oh man, like relate, like I think that I believe that October is the greatest month. Would you agree or disagree? I would agree with that. So uh, this October, like I've got school, which is you know uh, awful or whatever. But every week it seems like a new show is getting announced for this October that I have to get tickets for. Like uh, the first one uh, up that. Uh, I got. I had to get tickets for is of course uh, the Misfits are going to be uh, playing here in Dallas um, just uh, two days before Halloween, uh, which is terribly exciting. Um, and that just the other day it was announced, and I promptly got tickets for Merciful Fate here in Dallas. <laughs> That's uh, two two of the the big the big big ones, Jordan. You know what I'm saying. If you're thinking Halloween and you're thinking heavy music, those are the two bands, and they're both coming to you around the same time. It's incredible. You can't beat that. I also got tickets for Dwight Yoakam, which is a separate thing, but still very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would fucking love to hear Dwight do like um, a dangerous meeting. That would be so sick. <laughs> Come to the Sabbath. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the good vibes like are, are finally... Finally on their way back after being bereft for so, so long. And a big part of that, as you mentioned, is football. Now, did you see uh, Did you see the opening game of the season just a couple of days ago? I saw a couple minutes of the second half because I forgot that the NFL is desperate to dominate every day of the week. And now they start their season on Thursday night. Oh, yeah. So um, thir- the Thursday night game is generally the worst, the worst game of the week, but except for the opener, except for the opener. They did, you know, a replay of the Super Bowl, in which case uh, this time around it went sp- slightly different. <laughs> That's Thursday night is the night where, like, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars play their most games because yes. it's just dumped on the NFL network where no one will see it. Um, I think this year it's on Amazon. I think that's it. All right, fuck. It might be on Tubi. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, 
the MLB is doing that now where games are just on Amazon and they don't have good announcers and the cameras aren't as good. And it's just, please, please don't make this a thing permanently. We don't want to watch our sports through Amazon. No. And, and to be fair, nobody wants to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars anyway. So uh, we could probably just do away with that whole thing. Um, but, uh, you know, after, after getting that, uh, first game out of the way, big, big show, uh, we, we talked about it, uh, a bit on our previous episode, uh, how we were excited, uh, for this season opener for a number of reasons. One of which was that, uh, Ozzy was set to perform the halftime show with a medley of songs. Um, they're, they're in LA, presumably before he leaves LA for the UK, uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, so, uh, did he catch that? I did not because you blinked. He was only on. He was only on TV for about ten seconds. Um, and the the Ozman cometh and the Ozman goeth in record time. Uh, I I I saw him come on. Uh, you know, you, you had like Tony Dungy on the side of the the field yelling to talk over uh, Ozzy's band performing, uh, and they they cut to to Ozzy on stage performing. Honestly, less than five seconds of patient number nine uh, before going back to the uh, the jack-off sideline reporters talking about the game and about Ozzy, how, you know, hey, he's old. (laughs) There's already too much analysis for football games. We don't need it on the field during a performance of anyone, let alone a heavy metal band. Uh, really, what's the point, ultimately? I mean, the point is that people behind the scenes have got lots of money to do this. But for fans, <laughs> that night and on Friday morning, if you just looked up Ozzy Osbourne Ozzy on Twitter, people were so mad that he only got a couple seconds. Uh, I fired off a, a quick little uh, joke about it, uh, but I got a whole bunch of uh, randos coming across <laughs> That uh, that tweet, which led me to believe, yes, this was something that was trending at one point. <laughs> uh, what were they? What were they? Did saying? you say something along the lines of uh, Eddie Trunk was on Suicide Watch? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> um, which is probably a little inappropriate, but uh, you know, I, I looked at Trunk's profile five minutes later, and I, yeah, sure enough, he was he was incensed by this. <laughs> Um, so did you uh, did you see uh, people uh, getting all up in arms about it? I did. I also saw the crappy cell phone footage from a mile away in the stadium of him, you know, playing his songs and Zach Wild showing up and being Zach Wild. Uh, he does that. He he does uh, he does like to show up and you know do do his exact thing. And I was right. I called it that they were gonna play his pretty new single that no one wants to hear, and then go into Crazy Train. Is that what happened? Yeah. Damn. Uh, I suppose I could try to find this online. I just I wanted to see it at the moment, and then after that, I was like, "Well, I don't care anymore." I guess. <laughs> you saw the thing, and you never need to see it again. Exactly. Um, I mean, do you also don't need to see chubby football fans rocking out to? A song that you hear five times a day, just flipping on any classic rock radio station. No, I don't. I guess it's just the the novelty of it would, would have been nice. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things. Uh, it happened. Uh, it didn't get the airtime I was hoping for, and then I forgot about it, uh, as you should do with whatever comes on your TV. Uh, he got his ten second national commercial. 
Sharon is probably happy, and that's about it. There you go. Uh, at the end of the day, everybody's a winner, uh, except for Eddie. He's very mad about it. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, this, uh, this first... Uh, this first real day of games here, uh, you're, a, you're, you're a Giants fan, right? Unfortunately. Uh, they looking good this year? I would say better than last year, but still not good. Uh, that's good. It was a pretty bad uh, season uh, last year, I would say. Uh, yeah, and their uh, quarterback's neck is a stack of dimes now and could snap off at any moment. It's uh, Jones, right? Yes. Danny Dimes from... Duke, love it. Everybody loves Duke, right? Everyone uh, loves Duke, and that just a, just a huge football college. <laughs> so, um, you know, what's what's your prediction on the year? The uh, the record for your team? I'm gonna say what? How many games do they have now? Seventeen. A year? Seventeen. Yeah. Five and uh, twelve. Oh. Yeah, that's it. Five and twelve. That's a little rough. That's a little rough. Um, you know, I'm I'm keeping that in mind though to bet accordingly. Um, well, isn't your quarterback hurt again? Yeah. So uh, I watched uh, the local news uh, unintentionally after that that uh, one uh, game uh, that, that came on last week, and uh, I had forgotten uh, just how awful local news is because they dominated uh, the uh, the entire broadcast. So like. Is Dak's ankle okay? The news you need to know right now. <laughs> Only on like NBC Twelve or whatever. Uh, it's a it's a deeply sick culture, Jordan. I would say, uh, but according to him, his shoes were new and that made his ankle hurt. So we'll see. I think he's going to be out by week two. Ouch! My feetsies hurt. I have new shoes. Yeah. Uh, I get paid a hundred million dollars and can't break in a pair of cleats. Uh, yeah, it, he, he's been uh, plagued by uh, pretty serious injuries throughout his career, so I think this season will be no exception. Um, he's going he's gonna to get uh, completely destroyed early in the season, and uh, we'll have a ragtag crew of backup guys that will you know, probably help us get there to somewhere around uh, 9 and 8. I think that's going to be it. And you still might win the division with that. Oh, because it's the worst division in the entire league. It's great. <laughs> It's just been a rough weekend for Texas football, hasn't it? Uh boy, I uh I haven't really I haven't been a regular Texas football watcher since I was at UT, uh simply because I think it's weird to uh be an adult and keep up with college that way. Uh but I sure did watch that entire game uh yesterday where uh they very nearly beat the number one ranked Alabama uh, as an unranked team and uh, looked online at uh, Alabama fans gloating and uh, threw my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think Texas Tech, uh, no, Texas A&M got upset by Appalachian State. Ah, you hate to see it through an Appalachia. Um, but uh yeah, I, I realize that our, our listeners that don't uh, don't feel as invigorated by uh, football uh, maybe are a little bit mad at us right now. Maybe we should talk about something else within the world of uh, metal, I guess. Is that something that they would want to hear? We can do that. What would you like to discuss first? <sighs> you know, it's tough. We got a lot of uh, we got a lot of pressing news here. I would like to highlight a headline that I saw that I think is relevant for every one of our listeners at this moment. <clears throat> Uh, surviving children of Bodum members 
to open a bar and sauna in Finland. Did you did you see this, Jordan? I sent it because I saw it because you sent it to me. I feel like we should have the breaking news, like when the Queen died and BBC interrupted <laughs> their uh, like whatever Bake Off show they have, and it's just very solemn. You know, we we regret to inform you that the surviving Children of Bodom members are opening a, a bar and sauna in Finland. It, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's the meme that we've seen on the internet for a good ten years now that Finland isn't real, but like. With shit like this, how could you possibly believe that Finland is real? Um, the most stereotypical thing that these guys could do, like, what do you Finns love? Drinking and saunas. All right, well, there we go. <laughs> Let's combine them. Sometimes at the same time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's a good idea, actually, to uh, drink and sauna. I feel like that would uh, lead you more open to uh, acute intoxication, maybe uh, being uh, especially dehydrated. Uh, but, you know, I guess that's what they do over there, so they probably know better. And then you run out and jump in the frozen lake and then hop out and eat some salty licorice and you're fine. And I, I know for sure you should definitely not drink heavily and jump into cold water. That uh, could put you, like, into shock and then drown. Uh, but, yeah, people over there do it all the time, so what do I know? Uh, so uh, their, their plan here is uh, to open it up really, I think it's next month. Um, it's... Uh, Location in Espoo, uh, easy access to the subway. Uh, there's three saunas, an entry fee to the bar with no age limit, and a fee for the sauna experience. So if you're in Espoo, Finland, uh, goddamn, I, I guess that's where you want to go hang out, right? Um, They're moving a lot faster than the guys from Winter Sun with this sauna. That is true. Uh, Winter Sun, um, they didn't even ask for a million dollars to build this sauna. <laughs> They pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps to build their sauna. Uh, be more like children in bottom, uh, winter sun. Why can't you? Uh, why can't you be more like those guys? We already have enough metal bands making coffee and hot sauce and their own beers. I think we need some some American metal bands to start building their own saunas around here. Uh, I, it was either be a sauna or a gym. Yeah, I was going to say, like, a sauna isn't really, like, a cultural thing in the U.S. the way it is, like, in Finland. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining, like, uh, what if, uh, you know, like, uh, Steel Panther opens up a bar slash hot tub? They could. It would just have to be outside of a 1,000 feet from any school. <laughs> Other big news uh, from the week. Uh, I don't know if you saw this as well. This one is uh, pretty pretty big stuff. Uh Headline, uh, Dave Mustaine says he was Metallica's alpha male uh, roughly 40 years after the fact. Uh, did you did you see this as well? Yeah. I mean, he was just on Joe Rogan like a week ago. Uh, you watched it? I guess he's in... What's that? Did you watch it? No, of course <laughs> not. He's, I guess he's just trying to do promos for his new album the sick the dying and the desperate for attention and he's just in one of his moods where he's saying things that people couldn't possibly believe i i think that <clears throat> he he has a quote here uh like and and what's he sa- saying uh he says uh oh no i am clearly the alpha male between the three of us why did i have to do everything when i was in the band why did they always ask me to talk to the promoters and collect the cash? 
Why was I the one who had to do the fighting? Why did I have to talk between songs? Um, I guess uh, I don't know enough about the early days of Metallica. Were they doing a lot of a lot of brawling and such? Just uh, Wednesday nights are all right for fighting for Metallica. I guess Just, so. Uh, I, it's like you said; it's been forty years. He, he has he's always had it, but he still has a huge chip on his shoulder, Dave Mustaine, and it's just. It's you're almost 60. It's time to let it go. You will never be as popular as Metallica, but you are popular in your own right. You have your fans. You have had your big, huge, popular albums. Just be happy with it. You got to be the RC Cola to the Coca-Cola, which is pretty good. People love RC Cola. You know, it's not as successful as Coke. It's never going to be, but still. And uh, you don't want to diminish RC Cola's uh, brand uh, with uh, this in 40 years now of complaining about getting kicked out of this band. It's really, if you look at the headlines on the, the heavy metal tabloids, you know, every few months you'd think, okay, he's finally healed. He's finally over it. And then he just goes right back to it. <laughs> it's like you don't have to be bitter. There shouldn't be bitterness this far out. It's not like. I don't know, a Paul Diano or a Blaze Bailey situation where like you tasted greatness, you were yeah. in it for a little bit, and then they dumped you for the guy that they got popular with again. Like Even Ripper Owens isn't as bitter as Dave Mustaine is. He still has it, don't get me wrong, but like I think he's filled his life with a hundred other projects to at least keep him busy. Yeah, Ripper <laughs> and, Owens is hustling to like pay the rent. He doesn't have time to, to whine like the way that Dave Mustaine can. And he, he doesn't have to. He has money. He has success. He has people that are thrilled to be in Megadeth with him. It's not even like it's uh, there's multiple Megadeths running around and they're struggling to keep the name. And he's just playing the crappy venues, just hoping people show up. They're headlining amphitheaters and stuff still. So let it go. Let it go, Dave. R- related, do you think we would get in legal trouble if we started a band called Megadeth AD? The Megadeths? <laughs> or just th- spelled death differently? I think that, yeah, D-E-A-T-H. I think it'd be fun to give it a try, see how far we could get with it before like just getting crippled by a lawsuit. <laughs> um, I think we ought to do it. Uh, so what what would you recommend for, for Dave Mustaine here uh, to, to kind of heal... Uh, heal these wounds that are still open after 40 years. I mean, he's kind of healed it already. Like, hasn't he made up with Metallica? Didn't they go on tour a few years ago with the whatever Big Four stuff? He's In these interviews, he said he's texted them. It's What else can you do? Like, make him a touring member? Like, that's not going to happen. He's not going to... They're not going to ask you to record with them or write songs. You... What, what do you want? Like, to play on one song so you get residuals and you get some sort of credit for still being a member of Metallica? I don't know. It's, it was a lifetime ago. I think, yes, I think they ought to give the baby his bottle, to be honest with you. I think that they ought to let him play on a song on uh, an upcoming Metallica record, one that clearly everybody will pretend to be excited about. It's just not going to be very good, and everybody will get what they want out of it. I can't see them wanting to give anyone else money that they would have to, like, uh, excluding Lulu and like Marianne Faithful, Metallica doesn't really have 
guests on their albums, nor do they really need them. But yeah. I'm just trying to think of any other examples where they really want to pull people in all that much. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I could see uh, them having uh, was it the uh, the 1999 Santana record, like just having a guest on every track. Like, here's Moby. Here's here's Michelle Branch. <laughs> I think they ought to give that a try. Here's here's Dave Mustaine. I, I, it, it'll be something for everybody. And, you know, that revitalized Santana's career. Here's a deathcore vocalist on one. Here's Poppy on another. And they de- If like they put out an album and album sales slip enough, I could see them panicking and being like, well, we got to be with the young people. They're, they're really doing it now. We need a FK Mecca, we need <laughs> an AI thing to... We need Hitsune Miko to guest on one of our songs. I think that they should. I think that Metallica should panic a little bit because I think that uh, I think that we get more interesting results out of them when they're not sure of their place in the world. I mean, the whole thing with Saint Anger is really part and parcel of that. Like, uh, you know, if we have solos on this album, it sounds like we're stuck in time rather than like we're we're in the now. <laughs> But if we don't, it sounds like we're in the now, and in the future, it's going to sound like we're stuck in time. They need to panic a little bit. Panic creates interesting things. So, yes, you know, and with them, they they make enough money playing their couple festivals a year. You know, headlining a riot fest can doesn't mean they need to record an album and put it out and tour on that. They can just collect their money, play an hour set flub some of the classic songs and that's about it it's just not terribly exciting though that's that's my take on it i'm still holding out for each one of them releases a solo album and does it as a box set me too i think it'd be fucking awesome doing like the the kiss the elder thing or whatever it is um i think that uh hearing whatever whatever like Rob Trujillo is going to do is going to be pretty interesting. Um, not good, but it'll, I think it'll be interesting. Like a full album of slap bass instrumentals, I think would be interesting to listen to. Just funk bass. Yeah. Um, I would like to hear it. I, maybe he'll do the whole uh, big bottom thing where he has two other basses come in, <laughs> like a bass a bass superstar uh, group. I, I'd love to hear that. Just get the five best bassists in rock and metal and just have them go boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. It'd be unlistenable, but uh, I would like to, to give it a try anyway. So uh, it'll it'll happen, hopefully, it, if they get hungry. If they don't, well, eventually we'll just continue on the same path until they all die. They need to get hungry. Um, moving on a bit, uh, do you remember the band Light the Torch? Speaking of being hungry, I do remember Light the Torch because we interviewed Howard Jones like five years ago. That, we and did, didn't a, we? We did, and it's not my most favorite interview. Um, but we did it, and they're, they've been touring and putting out albums since then. Not so much on the touring because they can't afford a re- reliable vehicle to tour in now and are dropping off their tour opening for Guar. They can't... I'm sorry, they can't afford a reliable vehicle to get around on a tour. It's with great disappointment that we must announce we are pulling off the upcoming fall 
the upcoming Fall Guar tour, as well as the one Light the Torch headline show in Columbus, Ohio. Since confirming the Guar tour two months ago, we've been unable to find an affordable, reliable vehicle to tour in. And with the tour starting in just a week, just a week, we're at the point where we can't keep everyone in limbo. It's such a unique time for touring bands right now with touring essentials in such high demand and low supply, something we're experiencing firsthand. We sincerely apologize to the Guar camp that we couldn't find a way to make this happen. They have been nothing but accommodating, and we know it would have been an amazing tour for us to do. We're heartbroken, blah, 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 blah. So we do know from the pandemic and all of that entailed and inflation and the chip shortage, et cetera, et cetera, vehicles have been in high demand. Specifically, used vehicle prices have gone way up. That is true. So, I can, so th- there is – and fuel prices and other incentives and incidentals and all that sort of stuff. Prices are up all over the place. That being said, to cancel a week before you go on tour, two months after you agreed to do the tour, is a little rough. I would, granted, you know, Howard and crew are a little bit up in years. I think at this point, like if you couldn't get anything moving there, I would just find a bad solution to just make this happen, to make some money on the road. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the reliable part of the vehicle thing, which I can understand because you can get crappy vans. But how many times we heard over the years of vans down and vans missing a bunch of shows because – you know, they break down on a Sunday in a town where everything's closed and they have to wait until Monday to see a mechanic who then has to order a part and it takes a week. And, you know, by then the tour is across the country. So, uh, you know, I understand. And it's it's hard. It's rough. It's it is a little bit concerning that between all of them, they don't have enough money saved up to rent or buy and pay insurance on a reliable vehicle. It's it's sort of like the always sunny bit. It's like how do three grown men in their thirties not have four hundred dollars between them? <laughs> uh, the economy, the economy D. <laughs> the economy, it's in it's in shambles. <laughs> and you know, it's could they backline in this situation? Like, could they, you know, hop in one of their SUVs or one of their cars with just their guitars? And you know maybe a couple of symbols or a tom or whatever specific things they need, and like a, a box or two of merch, and just drive to the venues, and borrow Guar's equipment, borrow I think Necrogoblicons on this, so like you know maybe they all help each other out a little bit, or you know they all hop in a bigger van with one of the opening bands. I don't know. Maybe that's not feasible depending on where they live and. I don't know. They don't want to fly out to where the tour starts. So there's lots of little things involved. And I definitely get that. It's just a little bit of an eye opener when you see why a band with that's been established uh, have been on, I think, Nuclear Blast and just can't throw together $1,000, $2,000, whatever, to rent something or to buy something and have enough money for insurance on it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Now, my my first thought, of course, was like same thing you were saying. Absolutely, just use somebody else's shit. Just get in a car and go. But I guess maybe they have a specific setup that they need to use that they or they don't feel comfortable using anything else. Uh, and like you said, they might be in different parts of the country. At the same time, it's just like 
damn, I, I would do literally anything to keep this going <laughs> if this is like the one tour that you get the year, and it's a big one. It's a really big one. Yeah, you'd, you're playing in front of a guaranteed crowd more than you would um, just headlining on your own. Like, people will go see Guar no matter what, no matter who else is playing. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess they're also at that age where it maybe doesn't matter. That's, you know, they, that's true they want to well. stay home. They want to stay home. They don't – they know they're going to lose money on us. Just pull out now and – you know, take your losses, whatever else is there, minimal losses, and try again next year. I guess it's just, it seems like a bad sign of things when you have, you know, like these guys uh, not being able to get a van. And then, like, I don't know if you saw uh, Anthrax is not going to be touring Europe because just it costs too much now. <laughs> yeah, it's there's been, there has been like massive tour cancellations, but there's been, Throughout the summer and starting to get into the fall, little drips and drops of bands not being able to be a supporting act or just having to scrap everything all together. Like I also read Cold, the band Cold had to cancel their tour for like similar reasons of we can't afford it. I find that shocking that Cold is still together. <laughs> they put out an album a couple of years ago. It's like, what else are you going to do if you're in Cold? I guess that's true. Um it was uh god damn it, I'm trying to they were the band that had uh the song the big hit that was written by Rivers Cuomo, right? Stupid girl. Yeah, that's the one. Um <clears throat> yeah, it just it seems like tough times uh for everyone here. I mean, granted if you're like Anthrax you tour literally every fucking month, so maybe it's a little bit less than say a more hotly anticipated tour getting canceled, but same. Like not a good not a good thing seeing prices rise and uh, you know, your your wage is depressed. I feel like uh, everybody's feeling that a little bit, maybe. <clears throat> yeah, it's just, anthrax. Like you said, they tour all the time. Take a break. It's okay. Play if you want to go to Europe. Just play the big festivals, and I don't know. You don't have to go to Dusseldorf. It's okay if you just play walking. But nobody rocks harder than Dusseldorf. <laughs> you don't have to go to Dresden. They've seen enough. <laughs> Um, so we'll, uh, we'll be on the lookout, uh, as this new, um, potentially, uh, much worse, uh, recession, uh, is, is taking hold. Uh, I'm sure that you've seen the news that like, uh, the Fed is, uh, currently working to, uh, maybe make unemployment, uh, much worse than it is at the moment to bring wages and inflation down. Um, so... I, I feel like uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to to relive 2008, and this time uh, you know you get to see uh, Anthrax suffer through it as much as you do. I'm just gonna be holding on to my pile of one dollar bills as I <laughs> kick people trying to claw at me to get up to it. <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted to move on here. Uh, you 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 sent me a story that. Uh, I'm not really wasn't really familiar with any of these people. Uh, it's a it's a band that I've seen their stickers at venues for the last twenty years, but I've never actually listened to them. Can you tell us a little bit about who this band is? Here's a band from like two thousand and one that, that people may remember. Uh, I don't believe we've ever talked about them on the show, and not many people talk about them anyway. Murder Dolls. This was. A 
new metal-ish, horror punk-ish band that was kind of in the vein of Marilyn Manson, that sort of pale makeup, lots of black leathery latexy stuff, singing about Dracula and wanting to smooch dead girls and that sort of stuff. It was uh, headed up by the vocalist Wednesday 13 and had Joey Jordanson playing drums on it. And this was around the time of like Slipknot was, you know, I think Iowa had been out at this time. They were on Murder Dolls were on Roadrunner Records. So you kind of get the idea of what they were when they were and what type of music was being played at the same time. And they had... Oh, like one song that got a little bit of like MTV, much music, airplay, dead in Hollywood. They referenced all of the classic universal horror monsters. Well, I don't know, yelling, singing about killing people and stuff. Uh, the video Wednesday 13 is singing into an IV bag. So again, this I, is where we're at. Yeah, I, I saw this video, heard the song for the first time <clears throat> you know, 35 minutes ago. And I was just really getting a solid chuckle out of this band, just aggressively headbanging around like a gurney in an IV. <laughs> they had a very specific hot topic early 2000s look. Yes. And like you said, their sticker is up over all sorts of venues still to this day, whether it's the name or their logo, which was, I believe it was the women's restroom logo, but it had devil horns and it was surrounded by a little coffin. Yeah, that's uh, the one. It's very much like Invader Zim. Yes. Oh, my God. Like That's band. it. Yes. And uh, do you know who their guitarist was? No. Who was it? Trip Eason. Oh, boy. Kind of gets around, huh? <laughs> and again, he fits into that look. That's the same look he had, the stupid braids and the, the pancake makeup and black lipstick. Uh, so, yeah. They had their little thing. They put out this one album, Beyond the Valley of the Murder Dolls. It did okay. They kind of disappeared for a while, came back in like the 2010s where it was just uh, Wednesday 13 and Joey Jordanson and then kind of faded away. They had some touring people like Trip Eason and AC Slade, which is just a name that keeps popping up despite never really having much success. He's always just been the guy in the band that has the memorable name. And after all this, after recounting all of this news about a band that has been essentially dead for 10 years. Uh, AC Slade and I think another touring member like recently popped up with, we're having a 20th anniversary show and we're going to be doing a meet and greet at like a horror convention. We have a new website and all this stuff. And Wednesday 13th popped up and said, uh, you don't own any of this stuff. This is all mine and was Joey's idea. Who are you people? Huh. So uh, that seems like a thing that you would want to uh, clarify uh, before you know moving forward with any plans that you can, in fact, legally use this shit. We're going to get a L.A. Murder Dolls and uh, Murder Dolls Classic. Yeah. Murder Dolls AD situation. And uh, Wednesday 13 said, my issues have nothing to do with any ex-member celebrating the 20th anniversary of that album. I've been celebrating the anniversary as well on my tours this year. However, I have been celebrating it as Wednesday 13, not Murder Dolls. And just as an aside, the last show I went to before the pandemic, it was Static X. And Wednesday 13 played. I walked out <laughs> when Wednesday 13 was playing. I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. I've seen one song. I'm just going to wait outside 
until this is over. Good lord, that good, huh? <laughs> just like, okay, I get it, and I have no desire to see any of this. Because <laughs> he, he, he had his own side label called Har High Records, which was like a, a, a whole bunch of like horror punk bands, legitimate horror punk stuff that I actually like and have discovered bands off of like the compilation he put out. And he keeps posing himself as being like into horror punk and Wednesday 13 is a horror punk thing. It's not really. It's kind of just generic hard rock with gimmicks attached to it. Like it's just it doesn't match any of the bands that he had supported or like. So regardless, he continues. The first album released in 2002, all music was written by Joey and I. The only other members to contribute to this record were Trip Eason with a few guitar solos. All other instruments, vocals are performed by Joey and Wednesday. We assembled the touring lineup after the recording was finished, consisting of Eric, Ben, and AC. The band went on hiatus eight years ago after this and returned in 2010 with the sophomore Murder Dolls album. This album and touring lineup did not feature any of the touring members from the first album. This was decided by Joey as his decision to only have he and I photographed on that album. This is Joey's band. He invited me into his world, and I am able to do what I do today because of him and the Murder Dolls name, and that's what this whole situation is about. Murder Dolls' trademark had lapsed. This was unknown to Joey or I as the band was inactive and no one was watching for this. However, it seems AC was watching for it and applied for the MD trademark to take the name behind our backs. AC succeeded in gaining the trademark. He applied for this trademark one year before I was notified and a year before Joey's passing. He never notified Joey about this as he knew he would be furious and not approve. There's no other way I can view this other than he stole the name from Joey. He is now launching websites, merchandise, our first album as official murder dolls, erasing my name out of the bio history of the band. It's sad that I've had to make this a public discussion, but that's where we are. I'm not involved with this situation because I chose not to be involved with it. It doesn't sit well with me, and I cannot get behind it. So <clears throat> it seems like if he, if Wednesday 13 really super cared about this, he probably would have been on the button. You'd think, but I guess it's maybe somewhat complicated if this was like Joey Jordanson's thing, like specifically. Yeah. Since he was saying like this was his project and obviously with the issues he was going and dealing with and then his passing, I guess you kind of miss this stuff. You know, you assume someone else takes care of it and you don't expect a touring member of the band who never contributed to any of the music to slime their way in and yoink the trademark and then to put out stuff under that name. Um, I guess you wouldn't expect that unless you, you know, you like us and you've seen this happen over and over and over again. <laughs> At this point, you kind of have to ex- expect it. Yeah. Uh, especially with some of these older bands or bands that have like a whisper of something to their name and someone who was tangentially involved wants a crumb of that and needs some sort of passive income. This is kind of like. Buying up copyrights, the band you were sort of involved with is like being a landlord. You just you want the money and you don't want to put in any effort. I love I love it. Like the idea of uh, cyber squatting, like buying up every URL that you can think of just so you can sell it to somebody who wants to use it. The music version of buying up Ted Cruz twenty twenty four dot com. Yes, exactly. Um, so you know, in in that respect, I suppose you can't knock the hustle. Uh, in another respect, yeah, it seems super scummy. And in another respect, who the fuck cares about the murder dolls? <laughs> it's such an faded, 
faded 38 year old I, I i mean yeah i understand i'm, I'm nearing that myself but uh, it's just such a such an odd uh stack of events here and uh truly highlights just how fascinating uh our our world of um the, the music industry is when the last uh, bands that ever made a dime uh, came out, you know, roughly in the very, very early 2000s. So we're all kind of vultures trying to get the last of the rotten meat off of that corpse, aren't we? Everyone wants a piece, even though they haven't been involved. And I guess you have a an anniversary coming up, so maybe people will be talking about it and you can make a couple of dimes. I mean, they suckered us into talking into it, so... Uh, there you go. Let's start. Yeah, congratulations, AC. You did it. Uh, so moving on here, I wanted to. Uh, you found a whole bunch of shit here that uh, really deserves some time here. Um, let's talk about the Blue Ridge Rock Festival, if we can. So this was unplanned. We kind of knew what we were going to talk about, and then yesterday I had saw just some local news article that had somehow showed up in my timeline about the Blue Rock Ridge Festival was having issues with transportation. And this happens at a lot of these big festivals, especially in the more rural areas where people, they have like camping grounds where people stay overnight. And then you have people who like just go for a day. So you drive to a parking lot, which is really just a field in the middle of nowhere. And they have a couple of those little small buses that bring you to the gates and I guess at this festival, there was a long line, transportation problems, it's hot, and you know, metal fans and music fans are upset about not getting to the show and missing a lot of bands that they wanted to see. And I think it was somewhere in this article where it mentioned that the Blue Ridge Rock Festival, this article said that it was the second biggest rock festival in the country. That's, and and that, I thought... That can't be right, though, right? And like I wasn't sure. I'm just like, really, this thing. Like I, I, the name is somewhat familiar, but I, it kind of blends in with all the other, like middle of nowhere, middle America rock and metal festivals. Rocklahoma. Yeah, Rocklahoma, Carolina Rebellion, all these little things that tend to have the same bands on it, just playing in places I'm not going to go. That's too far away. That isn't really in any sort of major market which is part of its appeal is that it gets people coming out from these places where these bands don't really come and you throw on a three-day festival and you run it better than Kentucky I Raid Fest and there you have it. And I decided to look into it because I'm just like, huh, the second biggest festival? Who's playing this thing? And sure enough, this is a massive festival. Would you like to know some of the bands that are playing this thing? More than anything. I'll just read the names that people will know. Slipknot, Disturbed, Ghost, which is their exclusive U.S. festival performance, Mudvayne, Ice Cube, Three Doors Down, A Day to Remember, Hailstorm, our friend Lizzie Hale, Lamb of God, Alice Cooper, Tenacious D, Stone Temple Pilots, Seether, Gojira, Under Oath, Newfound Glory, Pennywise, Skillet, Anthrax, Pierce the Veil, Killswitch Engage, Hollywood Undead, In This Moment, Daughtry, Ice Nine Kills, Motionless and White, down, which is advertised as a rare show. Nelly, Theory of a Dead Man, Saliva, which is an exclusive reunion with Josie Scott. Seven Dust, performing Animosity in its entirety. Wage War, Pop Evil, Candlebox, your favorite. Knocked Loose, 
a special full production set from Star Set. The fuck Lafayette does that mean? Brides. I don't know. <laughs> Thrice, Cannibal Corpse, Sleeping with Sirens, Insane Clown Posse, Guar, In Flames, Apocalyptica, Spirit Box, a reunion show for God Forbid. This is their first show, I think. Um, something called Grandson. <laughs> we came as Romans, The Amity Affliction, Puddle of Mud, Bad Wolves, the first show in like nine or ten years, reunion show for Kitty, huh. Hatebreed, a reunion show for Shadows Fall, Queensryche, Silverstein, Story of the Year, the Fall of Ideals in its entirety set from All That Remains, your favorite, Bone Thugs in Harmony, Tech Nine, Waka Flock of Flame, Baroness, Buck Cherry, Hoobas Day. This is, if the, if this is insane, on. dude. <laughs> I'm not done yet. It keeps going. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, Hinder, exclusive U.S. festival, though I know they did have to pull out of it, of Electric Cowboy. Uh, and these are the bands that I know people know. I'm skipping over some of the smaller ones. Uh, Inter Shikari, performing the zombie EP in its entirety, The Devil Wears Prada, Memphis Mayfire, White Chapel, Slaughtered Prevail's only U.S. show, Demon Hunter, their first show in Virginia in nine years, Suicide Silence, uh, Saving Abel, featuring the original singer Jared Weeks, <laughs> Adelita's Way, The Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, Attila, Nonpoint, Hawthorne Heights, Lacuna Coil, John Five, Reunion Show for the Union Underground. Wow. Chelsea Grin, Red, the only U.S. performance from Mushroom Head this year, Power Man 5000, The Plot in You, Alien Ant Farm, Texas in July, Stick to Your Guns, This Keeps going this is the insane fu- i've ne- i had no idea that this was even happening or that it was this fucking big the global debut of scion featuring howard jones i hope he's able to get there <laughs> and jared dines acacia string bleeding through crazy town municipal waste comeback kid it keeps going unearth is on this thing because of course they are darkest hour norma jean smile fucking empty soul crowbar I mean, goddamn, Twisted's on this. Cherish Johnson, the goober we made fun of two months ago for doing a horrible cover of Slayer. This is one of the last shows for Project 86. This is a massive festival, and it keeps going. I'm not going to keep reading this. But if you have heard of music, music is playing this thing. Damn. And the whole reason that we are talking about this is because it is such a massive festival. And I wanted to know... Who was able to pull this off? Why is this such a big thing? I assumed it was part of the Carolina Rebellion, Rocklahoma, like family of U.S. big festivals. Yeah, it's all like and the it, same. You would think it's the same LLC that gives the same guys that you know move from one state to the the next state. Right, and we, we've talked about that. How like maybe there's some bands that you love that like haven't put out music in 20 years, and that's because they don't own it some sort of rich oil baron had bought the rights to their music or maybe AC Slade had bought the name to the band and that's why they can't perform under it. And, you know, just who's behind some of the decisions and reasons that things happen. Why do radio stations always play Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and the same shitty sublime songs all the time? It's because it's owned by some conglomerate, Cumulus Station, Radio One, things like that. And that's kind of why a lot of things have been homogenized and we don't like get new bands anymore. Like no one has a breakout hit. 
just because they flooded their local radio station with requests for their songs and they were compelled to play it. And now this band's popular. So who is behind Blue Ridge Rock Festival? And I started to dig into it because just plain old curiosity, which company is behind this? Is this The Orchard? Does Ash from Sumerian have anything to do with this? I I would just like to say that like this variety, this breadth of bands, it seems like it would be impossible to put that all together. And I would counter with saying, actually, uh, through Christ, no things are impossible. <laughs> Believing in the love of Jesus makes anything possible, at least according to the Blue Ridge Rock Festival. Uh, so, yeah, I was looking for like an LLC or some sort of corporate name behind this. And it's actually one person, and he's like 25 years old. One 25-year-old putting together uh, just this insanely stacked, insanely, uh, I would say, like, uh, from a perspective of, like, logistics, insanely complicated festival. and, you know, we, we know of guys that are in their 40s uh, that can fuck up a pay-to-play fest featuring Kingsman. So uh, this is, uh, this is pretty, uh, pretty impressive, I would say. This is, man, this is beyond anything that, like, Maryland Death Fest does. And we know that's a huge festival and things go wrong all the time. And they're taking their one-year break to deal with it. Uh, the guys from Walk and have said that like they don't make money on this, and every year they consider not doing it anymore. So this is a huge thing to do, even if you have a lot of skilled people behind it and you have corporate backing and all sorts of things. And this is pretty much at least the brainchild or work of one person. His name is Jonathan Sly, and he's like in his mid twenties. And there is not a whole lot of information about him out there for such a big festival and for putting on such a big thing. You would think there'd be a lot of information out there about him. I found his Instagram. It has nine pictures on it. He's looking um, very professional in all of them. He, he Yeah, he, he has his, his look, I guess you could say. Um, and he's the CEO of something called Purpose Driven Events. So you would think... Let me look up Purpose Driven Events. What would they do? What else have they done? I couldn't find a website for Purpose Driven Events. I I will tell you that Purpose Driven Events sets off every red flag in my head. Those those words together. (laughs) And as as someone who is sort of entrenched in the Christian lifestyle when you were younger, is that the red flags that blow off for you? So I think that... One of the things that people need to understand about like evangelical Christian Christianity in the U.S. is that it really is uh, part and parcel of capitalism, and that being a good evangelical means being a good capitalist. Uh, and as we all know, if you want to be a good capitalist, you can't be above a little fraud. <laughs> is it kind of like the quiverful movement, where you like you just have to have lots of franchises and spread your seed and make lots of money? It, it, you were not even wrong. Like I, I think that for if you go decades back, uh, the prosperity gospel was something very shameful, uh, something small uh, that you know people would you know give their money to the preacher man on TV because it would make them rich. But that concept has really uh, just become part and parcel of of the a general uh, 
like semi right wing uh, Christian movement. So if you if you're if you got paper, if you're if you're sitting pretty, if you got uh, rims on your ride, uh, you are blessed by the Lord. And if you don't have those things, well, get your paper right. Get right with the Lord. You're fucking up. And for people that don't know what the Quiverful movement is, it's you may have seen their like logos somewhere. It's kind of subtle. It's literally a quiver full of arrows, and their whole evangelical shtick is to have as many children as possible. Yeah, because that means that you're you're more prosperous, and all of those children have an opportunity to you know open up their own franchises and make their own money. So uh, overall, you want to you want to be expanding, never contracting. And so uh, just to be clear, we're not saying that this person doing the Blue Rock Ridge Festival is involved in that, but he is the son of a pastor. Well, I – having no evidence of anything <laughs> whatsoever, I want to go ahead and get this on the record, okay? Mm-hmm. Something is deeply unsavory here. And uh, I can I can point to a couple of like data plot points that that give credence to this for me. But again, there is no there is no smoking gun at the moment. I'm not accusing this guy of doing anything. Uh, I'm just saying that things feel not so good. So on top of like not being able to get all that much information on this person, there's only a couple of articles about him. There were a few uh, news stories and interviews he's done uh, in previous years for the festival because he had their issues like paying vendors and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, it sounds like it, it got settled and uh, there was some confusion as to who owes what and who's getting billed. But the uh, articles I found, one was like an interview by someone involved in the festival who properly did mention that they worked for the festival and just kind of laying out like, what's your plan? How did these things work? But the thing that I found that caught my eye was an article from CNN, specifically the CNN Belief blog. Which, again, you you heard your red flags before. The CNN Belief blog covers the faith angles of the day's biggest stories, from breaking news to politics to entertainment, fostering a global conversation about the role of religion and beliefs in readers' lives. And this article is old enough where it's a lot of, like, dead links, and there isn't even, like, advertising on it anymore. It's pretty much just the article, and there's, like, hot links to MySpace and stumble upon and dig. So you know this is fairly old. Yep. I mean, well, the uh, the URL has the uh, date, uh, May 10th, 2011. And in this article, they talk about Jonathan Sly being a 17-year-old, being inspired at his Christian rock camp, uh, and like how the Lord told him <laughs> to get involved with music. And uh, he he it says he did it with through sheer will and a little faith and at a fraction of the cost of a professional concert. So he's been putting on different events and uh, you know since he was a teenager. And one of them I couldn't read it because it was behind a paywall, but it was about like booking Paulie D mm-hmm. as a 22 year old at some college. And another article said he put on over 700 events, which seems impossible. But perhaps anything he does is just considered an event. I, I, it could be, or like this guy just runs every fucking every fucking fest, every fucking concert, every every barn raising within this region like a fucking kingpin. I don't I don't know. I, so just going through this article, there's just some quotes and little facts that I just find interesting. 
maybe some people would be interested to hear about it as well. Uh, I was just so fired up for Christ coming home from the camp. I said, all right, God, what's my purpose? And I always find that so funny when people tell them, the Lord told me to do this. And it's just like, of all the things God can ask you to do, put on festivals and rock concerts is just kind of funny to me. I found that when I open my heart uh, to the Lord, he often tells me to do exactly what I want to do. It just happens to work out that way. Lord, please tell me if I should get pizza for dinner tonight. Show me no signs. Lord, should I have Okay, cool. Lord, should I have 3 to 13 beers tonight? Yes, I will do as you command. <laughs> so he wanted to put on a rock show as an outreach to his friends to show them Christian music could be cool and have a positive message. Sure. And just as an aside, he is wrong. So sitting at his kitchen table with his parents, John and Krista Sly, who, again, they have their own 600-person church in Virginia. Uh, I looked it up because I'm just like, this has to be some sort of mega church, just giant golden spires and pews and crystal. No, it's just a regular little church that's yeah, like is in the middle school. Yeah, 600 people is not that many. So, I yeah. mean, him, him, him like as a teenager pulling this off, like – I'm not saying that like he's he's uh, struggling or nothing as a teen, but like you know he has he has some support from the family. I saw in another in the CNN thing that his family was able to collect twenty five grand to put on his first fest. But yeah, later on in the uh, in the article, they do talk about how they got their money to put on his festival, and it's because being underage, he couldn't sign contracts. He needed his parents to sign it for him. And is according to this article, his father made a deal with him. If you're able to get this huge amount of money uh, to put this on, we'll do it for you. But then they sort of give up the ghost, as it were, the Holy Ghost. Uh, they say that like people in the community and specifically people part of their congregation gave money to this, including one person who gave $4,000 in cash. Yes. So uh, it helps to have some connections. You know, you're you're not you're not big swinging dick money at this point, but you you definitely have some help. It's as he gets a little bit older that those connections seem to be a little bit more robust, I would say. Um, yeah, including names we've heard of. So um, you you pointed me to this uh, interview uh, with uh, with Jonathan Sly uh, that was published on uh, Backstage Pass, a blog from Concert Archives. That includes the helpful note here. Full disclosure, I, Stevie, also work for Blue Ridge Rockfest doing social media. It was my idea to write this, though. I thought John's perspective and experiences would be super interesting to you, our readers. Interview has been edited for length and clarity. So uh, the an employee of uh, Jonathan Sly uh, interviewing him here about his humble beginnings to uh, his his current uh, his current statuses, I guess, Uh the biggest dick in the Blue Ridge region. <laughs> and in this CNN article, I just want to read this. Early on, Jonathan Sly got a huge name to play one of his festivals, Brian Head Welch. Now, uh, we all know uh, a little bit about the past and history of uh, Brian Head Welch, even if you're not a huge corn fan, uh, that uh, he uh, decided to change his ways uh, clean up and turn his life over to God and by extinction, Mike Huckabee. <laughs> <laughs> and he got Jesus tattooed on his hand so he would stop jerking it. You know, sometimes you need a little bit of uh, motivation to, to quit uh, 
Jerking the gherkin, as it were. I mean, how does that work out with the the footprints in the sand story? You know, sometimes I see two, sometimes I see one. Wouldn't you conceivably just see one hand sometimes and two of the other? I don't know. Just thinking out loud. And this article continues, uh, co-founder of the heavy metal band Korn, well, it sobered up a few years back. Again, this is an old article. He left Korn and found Jesus. He is now touring as a hardcore Christian musician. Sly emailed Welch's agent, and Welch agreed to play for a fraction of what he could be getting elsewhere. Welch's agent also represents P.O.D., one of the most successful Christian bands of all time. The group has sold 11 million records, had hit music videos on MTV, and was equally at home at a Christian music festival and Ozzy Osbourne's OzFest tour. So while Sly was on the phone with the agent, the teen offered over $10,000 for P.O.D. to play. It was money neither he nor his parents had, and while it's a huge sum of money for a family on a pastor's salary, it was laughably low for a band this popular. But the agent told Sly she would check. I looked at the bill and saw the bands that were on and was like, cool, let's play. Only to find out later we got a young kid who put his heart in to go out and outreach and live out his faith and promote a show. P.O.D. singer Sonny Sandoval told CNN, Rockers P.O.D. P.O.D will be played that's what this article says the spring jam fest i'm down with that i think we share the same heart and the same vision i look forward to seeing what happens so this is kind of how this kid hustled um and started his career i guess you could say putting on festivals through the christian network of christian rock bands being good Christians and taking less money than they would for OzFest or any of these other real festivals, and at the same time squeezing money out of their congregants and local people to put it on. And it has, I guess, since been built up to the second supposedly biggest, largest rock and metal festival in the country. So it's kind of set up a little bit like a Horatio Alger-type character. Like, yeah, you know, he's a kid with a dream, and, you know, you had a few resources that he put together to, to make the big show happen. And from there is a big successful uh, guy, right? So um, I, I think that where that, that leads from there uh, gets a little bit more, um, in, in my view, shady. Uh, he, he gets himself a full scholarship. Is that correct? Uh, he went to Liberty University. Liberty Which, University. again, another red flag for people. That's that's honestly the biggest red flag for old Joe here. Uh, do, do you know anything about Liberty University? Uh, I know a little bit about it, and I know I want nothing to do with it. And they've been in the news over the past couple of years dealing with um, like a lot of controlling of their students, especially their like female students and what they do and what medical procedures they could have, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, Jerry Falwell Jr. was the uh, the head of Liberty University for mm-hmm. quite a while. He fucked that all up pretty bad. Uh, but in the in his uh, tenure, like he he did succeed in bringing in tons of money uh, to the to the university, and for spending it in a variety of, uh, I would say, uh, savvy to totally nonsensical uh, ways, uh, you know. Essentially, the Falwells and University by Extinction own Lynchburg and own mm-hmm. this little section of the world. Uh, and, and like good Christians, it's important that they take what they have and expand and make more money and more money and open more business ventures. So it doesn't say anywhere here that 
you know, that Jonathan Sly is necessarily um, a, a an appendage of the Liberty uh, mar- the Liberty corporate machine, but we also don't know anything about about purpose driven events LLC. There there is and, not much out there. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, in some of these articles. There's mentions of like he's the CEO of like a different but similarly named company. You know, not purpose driven, but like full of purpose LLC and things like. That. And they don't have websites. It seems like it's shell corporations. Uh, questionable. There's a lot of questions and there's a lot of open-ended things that never uh, really get delved into or explained, which where like, you know, perhaps I may not want to outrightly say that this festival put on by such godless playing such godless bands as like Cannibal Corpse may be funded by Christian right wing, but it's kind of looking like that. We don't, we don't know. We can't say for certain. I'm just saying this is on our radar officially. <laughs> I mean, it's possible that it has nothing to do with that. And maybe he's just going around threatening to break the legs of local shop owners and they're paying him protection money. And that's how he's able to book Skillet. It could be. I'm just saying that something doesn't add up. Like uh, all of all of this, this huge, huge slate of artists, a lot of them like coming together to play their one show of the year or reform after 10 years specifically to play this. There's a lot of money involved in that. Uh, everybody, all of these bands are doing it. I haven't heard anything out of them uh, complaining that they're not getting paid or anything like that. So No, and I've seen, because this is taking place as we're recording this, uh, you could see on Instagram or social media about them having a great time. So that's, that's not the issue. But the, the, the question is, how are you... Play, paying all these bands, how are you paying all of the fees for all of this equipment and paying people, vendors, all sorts of stuff. How are you paying off local officials to put this on, security? There's all sorts of stuff. Festivals are massively, massively expensive and difficult and complicated to put on. And, I mean, it's seemingly being a success. It's just, again, where is this all coming from? Where is this all coming from? And, like, if you... Uh you know, my, my biggest frame of reference is, of course, Austin, because I lived there for so long. You know, there's a, a corporation called C3 Presents that puts on most of the, the bigger shows and festivals in that part of uh, the world. And like ACL Fest uh, is a big, big, big undertaking that takes up, you know, a huge plot of land and requires God knows how many people working it just to make it go off. Like, and that's that's like a well-known company with a ton of employees. Like, what is what is this deal with Jonathan Sly? Who is who is he employing? How is he? What what do his balance sheets look like? I want to know so much more about this because there's just a big question mark with all of this that is most likely answered with some variety of graft or fraud. <laughs> Maybe students get class credit if they volunteer to work these things. It could be. And like local, whether it's Liberty University or other related companies are donating their time and they're donating equipment and donating money to help uh, cut a lot of the costs. Because I mean like Ghost is playing this thing. I am sure it is not cheap to book them to headline your festival. It cannot and, be. And be, and be the like exclusive only festival of the summer for them. So, yeah. Lots of question marks. And uh, who knows if we'll ever get any answers. Uh, you know, I hold out hope. 
that, that one day all things will be revealed uh, through the grace of God. So, um, yeah, this, this, this gets put on the roadmap of Joe, and uh, we, we figure out where to go from there. Uh, so I'm glad to know that there, there are still mysteries out there, though, uh, things that need to be solved. If anyone went to this festival, let us know if there was like a praying tent somewhere, if there are people handing out flyers from Liberty University, if uh, there's little misting areas and you kind of see someone off to the side converting people, anything like that. Let us know. Yeah. Also, if you're a disgruntled uh, former uh, Liberty University employee, please talk to us as well. I would love to hear more. You have full anonymity to do this. And that is a promise. Um, well, uh, what do you think? Where, where do we go from here, Jordan? Uh, I am now keeping my on this. This is just pure, plain curiosity that got me interested in this, and now I want to see where it goes. Uh, who knows? Maybe this will become, and even it'll be the number one rock festival next year, and it'll be bigger and better. And do you, do you, uh, we'll do you know? Do you know what the number one number no, one? No, I actually don't know. I was gonna, I, maybe maybe it's something like Riot Fest or you know one of those uh, just big Chicago things. So that makes sense, yeah, like Lollapalooza or whatever. Mm. Yeah, that would be my guess. Or it, they're like lumping it under Bonnaroo or something like that. Oh yeah, like uh, fucking Coachella or some shit. Yeah, uh, it's possible. Uh, we'll we'll research that as well uh, when we're trying to figure out exactly what is up with this guy. <laughs> Because uh, there's something, there's something here, and we're gonna find it. We're gonna find it. Uh, and th- do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we go ahead and get the hell out of here? Do you want to talk about the guitar that you're gonna buy? Maybe, maybe. Uh, Might have seen something while I was on. Uh, have you ever bought anything off Facebook Marketplace? No, never. I don't trust anyone. <laughs> oh, see, I, that's my first. The first, the only reason I I use Facebook at all anymore is to look specifically at Marketplace. I used to be uh, completely addicted to uh, Craigslist, but now I, I buy all my secondhand shit there. Because uh, I, 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 you got you got tired of looking at the misconnections, seeing if your name popped up. I've had one before. Have you? No, I mean I haven't seen one, but I know my girlfriend has had one about her. <laughs> <laughs> Very specifically, like mentioned where she worked, and she's like, I showed it to her, like I found it, and she's like, Oh, I know exactly who this person oh. is. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, no, Craig, Craigslist was uh, is no longer the the powerhouse it once was for buying sh- shit secondhand, and I, if I can, I only buy shit shit secondhand, like uh, it, almost every like shoes. I think are the one thing I buy new. <laughs> Uh, and that's just because I don't trust other people's feet. Uh, so if I need something, the first thing I'm going to do is look, is, uh, look at Marketplace. Uh, it suggested for me the other day uh, was the um, uh, artist uh, series model uh, Squire by Fender Pete Wentz bass. Uh, do, you, do you know who Pete Wentz is? It, Ashley Simpson's ex-husband. Oh, are they not together anymore? I think love does not last forever. God for damn. Uh, if, if they don't, if they can't make it what what to hope do the rest of us have for you know for finding love in this crazy world? Uh, other 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 than that though, he was a uh, he was in Fallout Boy, uh, and uh, it, uh, I saw I saw this <laughs> I saw this thing. It was a pretty good deal, I would say, for you know a what is essentially a P bass with a funny looking sticker on it. And I got a I got a thought. Uh, you know, Fender puts out a variety of artist models. 
you know, uh, there's, there's of course your, your Clapton series, uh, your Stevie Ray Vaughan series, if you're interested in, uh, you know, dentist blues, but, uh, you know, they've, they've opened up the, the market for younger people, uh, in the years since with that Pete Wentz space, of course. And they also have a, uh, a surf green, uh, Tom DeLong uh, Stratocaster, you know, the, the fellow what was in uh, Blink-182. Have you seen those? I'm just laughing at the idea of getting a pop punk musician's bass. Yeah. <laughs> so people go, oh, oh, that's definitely Pete Wentz playing the bass. I can recognize it anywhere. No, can't. You can. It's all squashed down if you even hear any of it to begin with. And it's all the same type of stuff. My, my favorite thing about both of those models, the uh, Tom DeLong Strat and the Pete Wentz bass, is that they both just have uh, volume knobs. They don't even have tone, tone knobs on the, on the guitars. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's very straightforward, very streamlined, sleek, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> no need for that fancy tone stuff, just volume. Exactly. Uh, I got to I got to thinking, and I I, I posed this to Breno, who sadly uh, couldn't be on this episode today because I I really want to make him do it, but that uh, you know I would buy buy the I'm a guitar player primarily, of course, so I would buy the uh, Tom DeLong uh, guitar. He would buy the Pete Wentz bass, him being a a bass player, and uh, we would get to work on creating uh, the hottest black metal band uh, this side of the Mississippi. I think that I think that we have what it takes, and I think that maybe a repurposing of uh, instrumentation to no longer even be truly ironic. Kind of getting in the pop-punk mindset for our infernal rhythms uh, would be ideal. Uh, wh- what do you think? So doing this project, I, we have to get specific about it. Are you wearing corpse paint but still wearing like Quicksilver and Billabong t-shirts and you know shorts? I think if, uh, if I could like... Uh, put some studs on on my billabong uh and my stussy that would be that would be ideal um Ooh, i got it uh gauntlet on one arm and then all those live strong or jelly bracelets on the other Ooh, i like that i like that a lot i i think the time has come i think that you know enough bands have kind of uh broken the water tension uh, that a full-on melding of pop punk and black metal is is ripe for uh, ripe for making some waves within this scene. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, keeping it uh, keeping it simple, keeping the melodies uh, catchy uh, at the same time, uh, blasting away uh, with uh, with some simplified tremolo uh, riffs. I, I, I think I think it could be the next big sound combat boots but they're painted in white and black checkerboard to look like vans Ooh, i like that a lot um i think that uh i think i think that i think that everybody's ready for uh pop punk black metal uh do you see any challenges to my plan here anything that would uh, thwart it from uh, being a success no, I think you should absolutely do this. Uh, you're going to upset all the right people by doing it, and you're going to have a lot of fun, and I really want to see you and Breno hopping up and down in unison playing one of your songs. Yeah, we got to do the, the pogoing thing, right? Uh, going to stay posy with it. <laughs> this next song is called All My Best Friends Were in High School. <laughs> If you think about it, it, everybody's ready for it. Like uh, My Chemical Romance is uh, playing those uh, shows with Devil Master opening up for them. It's a natural. You might step. as well. Yeah, yeah. There's, 
it's there. <laughs> the opportunity is there. You just have to grab the brass ring. So I'm throwing this out there. You know, I, if if I uh, was really protective of my ideas, I probably wouldn't talk about them on this podcast. Uh, just throwing it out there, guys. I'm 35. Uh, I'm looking shittier and shittier every day. So if you're maybe a little bit younger, you're a little bit more willing to eat shit than I am. Uh, take that idea, run with it. Uh, I'll interview on this show. <laughs> Do you have a name yet? I'm still struggling with the name. You know, I feel like um, you got to have numbers in there. You know, like there's Blink 182. There was some 41. You know, I, I, I want to have like. Uh, I don't know, like a Hell 666, I think would be a cool name for it. Inferno War Cult 669. <laughs> yeah, something like that would be good, I think. Uh, what do you think? Do you want to, you know, do you want to try to do some nasally uh, vocal sounds on this one? Yeah, I, I think I could pull it off singing about ex-girlfriends and wishing uh, math class was over and not being allowed on Warp Tour anymore. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think uh, I, I actually you're right on this. Calling it like aged out of warp tour might be the the right way of phrasing this for our target audience. <laughs> uh, so there we go. We're, uh, we've got that to look forward to as well. We're gonna unmask uh, what's up with this uh, this uh, Christian uh, concert promoter, and we're gonna make some uh, some uh, some posy black metal for everybody. Big things coming. They really that festival really is like the switch foot of festivals and how they have their success in Christianity. That's how they made their fans. And then they're switching over to the mainstream stuff and they're going to have their one big hit. To be fair, that one big hit was pretty good. Uh, that riff is, we were meant to live for so much more. I, I do just love the bow. I think that's a cool riff. <laughs> Well, we'll rip it off for Infernal War Cult 669 and just speed it up a little bit. I love it. I love it. Uh, so, folks, um, you know, if, if you uh, have any ideas for Infernal War Cult 669, uh, go ahead and uh, put it in the comments there, or you can DM it to us online. Uh, we're both on Twitter. We use our fake names there as well. Uh, or you can email us at toiletofhell at gmail.com. Uh, or if you really, really, really want to uh, get our attention, you can subscribe to us on Patreon, where you can get bonus content, including extra shows and special playlists that I fucking slave over every month. Uh, so, throwing it out there. It's all for the taking. Just give us a little bit of dough. Jordan? We done? We're done. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.
You're listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.